how majestic is thy name in all the earth. If you have a prayer request, just pass it in during the offering. Uh, and you'll see, of course, the, the form inside the bulletin. And fill that form out, pass it in during the offering, and we'll pray for you today and throughout the week. For the week, a number of Bible studies, starting off with today, at Attributes of God, the Adult Sunday School, uh, each week. And then the IHOP Bible study on Monday is at 7.30 in the morning. Men's Tuesday morning study here in the sanctuary at 7.30. And the Man's Shed Bible studies Wednesday and Friday at 6 a.m. And the Wednesday evening Bible study back in, uh, in operation uh, on uh, Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. here at the church. Every week, the shelf in the lobby is for you to drop off food donations. At the end of the month, they'll be taken to Wichita ICT. For Treehouse Ministries is our other partnership for extra change for the needs of mothers and their babies. Did you want to mention day of the uh, October 29th? Yep. On October 29th, uh, we're excited because the final culmination of this whole year of transferring over is going to happen on October 29th and we're going to take both services we're going to have one service that Sunday and then what we're going to do is we're going to have a meal afterwards they're going to have three representatives from the um, Bible Presbyterian denomination are going to come and they're going to lead the service and they're going to transfer our church plus my ordination so it should be a great opportunity to make the move now and transition into the new denomination. And we'll probably have the service around maybe 9.30 or 10. It'll be one service that Sunday. Thank you, Dave. First Samuel 2, verse 2 says, There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside thee. There is no rock like our God. How, yeah. How Great Thou Art was originally written by Carl Boberg in 1885. The song we now know was translated by Stuart K. Hine in 1949. When he did his translation, Hine set it to a Swedish folk melody and arranged that melody to fit the words. The scripture reference for this popular hymn is Psalm 48.1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. As you're able, please rise and join us as we open our worship with How Great Thou Art. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. And when I think that God 
God his Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home. A joy shall fill my heart, and I shall bow in humble adoration and there. sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great The gift of God's presence among us in Christ Jesus is freely given. We have only to open our hearts to accept it. Yet we are so accustomed to depending on our own meager resources that our faith is small and stingy, and often we only succeed in prying our hearts open just a crack. In full confidence that God will lift our sin from us if we confess it and ask God's help in turning from it. Let us now unburden ourselves by confessing our sin before God. Almighty God, we confess our vulnerabilities to the temptations that come to our minds. When that carrot is dangled before us, it is very easy to strain and bite into it because of the desires of our hearts. When tempted to anger, our lashing out feels so good for the moment but what a mess it makes. As that juicy piece of gossip comes our way, how easy it is to pass it on, but the hurtful path it leaves behind is so devastating. We admit the unhealthy things that we have fed our minds with that have led to fueling our thoughts into taking sinful actions. Oh God, we have missed the mark in doing your perfect will and acted willfully. We need your forgiveness through the blood of Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit to overcome these sins and our desires that drive us away from living for you. All this we pray in the confidence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness comes from Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness 
and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And our guidelines for living from Colossians 1, 21. And you who once were estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been preached to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Once again, as you're able, please rise and join us as we continue our worship. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. For He is good, He's above all things, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, forever. From the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever. By the grace of God we will carry on, His love endures forever. Sing
By your grace you are making us faithful. Lord, we remember you. And remembrance leads us to worship. And as we worship you, our worship leads to Nineteen by Isaac Watts, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun is based on Psalm 72. The psalm starts with the words, Endow the king with justice, O God. It goes on to say, He will judge your people with righteousness. He will defend the afflicted. He will endure as long as the sun. He will rule from sea to sea, and all kings will bow down to him, and all nations will serve him. The music for this hymn was written by John Hatton in 1793. Father in heaven, we thank you for this privilege that we have to know that you reign over all the earth and that we have nothing to fear. Because of your reign, Lord, we believe and we desire that your kingdom does come, that we actively do that every day. And I thank you for these people who support this church and the ministry here so that, Lord, that kingdom can come to Wichita and that we can spread the news about you. Christ, bless these gifts that are given and it's in your name we pray this. Amen. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun Does his successive journeys run his kingdom stretch from shore to shore Till moon shall wax and wane no more People unround the Dwell on his love with sweetest song and then and 
voices shall proclaim their early blessing on his Come into the presence of the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a great day that we have, Lord, to enjoy you and the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And also, Lord, to be able to share in your creation and the wonderful blessings that you've given us. And today, Heavenly Father, we come to you especially for this great country that we love so dearly. We just pray for its leaders, that they will listen to you like our early nation's fathers, who looked in the word and began to build the foundation on the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, Lord, that holds this country together, but is being totally dismantled. We pray, Father God, that you'll give people wisdom and that you'll lead people in positions that can stop that foolishness. I pray, Father God, too, for our church as we make this big transition now to the Bible Presbyterian Church. And that we move forward in the mission and, and our ministry here in Wichita. I pray especially, Father God, too, for those men and women who faithfully care for our country and keep us safe. I pray for the soldiers, the Navy, Air Force, Marines, Army, uh, Coast Guard, all these people that are protecting us, Lord, we just give you thanks for those in the CIA and the FBI and also our local police departments and sheriff's departments and state facilities, all these people that are combined to protect and serve us, Lord, and keep us safe. We pray especially, Father God, too, for the people in our church that would love to be here but can't. We think of Lucille and Joyce and Karen, all who are struggling right now, wanting to get here but can't. We pray especially for Joyce as she's preparing to have surgery on her back. We pray also, too, for Howard, um, who fell and has some severe wounds. I just pray for his wife as she ministers to him. We pray also for um, Everett Long and for his battle with cancer and Angie and Samantha and Jason and Jordan, all these that are battling cancers in their life right now. We pray especially for Kay, who's still fighting the infection in her body and also the kidney stones that she battles. And I pray for our brother Tom, who will be going for surgery on Thursday. We pray also too, Lord, for Nick and for his future surgery. We pray that it can speed up soon and that he can get that done. We pray also too for Mr. Mack from the school who's battling cancer. We pray also too, Lord, for um, Howard um, Tice's grandson who was in a car wreck as a police officer and now he has been fully healed and he's back in service, Lord. We just give you praise for that. We think of Floyd Road Armor now who's starting his treatments for cancer. We pray also too for the Bannister family and for the Acton family as they had losses in their lives of Evelyn and Bill and I pray for their comfort, Lord, as they go through difficulties. We pray for us also Christian who tore an ACL or MCL, Lord, in football and that is gonna have to 
uh, have a slight surgery and also for the healing of that. And Lord, we also lift up to a young man whose mom used to go to this church and um, his, uh, he left them and was missing for almost uh, three weeks. And we give you praise that he returned home and he had no harm. And we thank you that he came to his senses. Now, Lord, work in his life to bring change and that you can speak to his heart too, Father. And Lord, for others today that we have here that are going through difficulties in life, have struggles in their own lives, we pray also for those who we know that are addicted. What we, we think of Jordan and Ryan and David and Eric and Ricky and Russell. These all, not only them, but their families have been affected by their addictions and are broken by them, Lord, and would like more for their children who they love so dearly but can't see it. I just pray, Christ, that you'll enter into their hearts and change them. And now, Father, be with us as we come to you through your word and that you'll speak to us as what we need to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During the Civil War, there was a young Confederate soldier that was killed on the battlefield. And when they went through his belongings and they went through his pockets, they found this beautiful prayer that was written, handwritten. We're not sure whether or not it was his prayer or it was somebody else that he copied. But these words, he penned this beautiful prayer. He said, I asked for strength that I might achieve... And he made me weak so that I might obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. And he gave me grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. And he did not give me them, but he made me wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. And I was given weakness that I might need God. I asked for all things that... I might enjoy life, and he gave me life that I might enjoy all things. I received very few things that I asked for, but I received the things that I hoped for. Today, as we continue in our series of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus now goes back to a topic that he spoke about earlier in chapter 6, which is prayer. And Jesus wants his disciples the 12 that he calls aside, but also you and me to be healthy disciples, healthy Christians in our walk with life. And he knows that prayer is vital to our Christian walk. And sometimes these words are often, especially these words that Jesus first quotes, are often misunderstood. And they think that God is some con... con that God is some cosmic vending machine that he'll give you whatever you want. Or that these are words or guarantee that you can have whatever you want. But those words are being taken out of context. Because that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus wants us to know as disciples of Jesus, there's a special place for us as we pray. And he wants us to feel comfort but also wants us to realize what we need to do in our walk with him. And one of the things that's so important is not only interpretation, but our view of God and who he is. And sometimes this is most, so misleading, and Jesus today clears up any misgivings, 
and wants us to know who our God really is. And this passage on prayer is talking about asking, seeking, knocking of God. And some people look at it as a formula to get whatever I want from God, and that's not true. As Jesus explains it to us. As part of the context of the Sermon on the Mount, if you remember Jesus speaking in the Beatitudes now, first the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are you for your poverty, and you see your need for Christ. He says in the second person, you are the soul of the earth. We're the changers of our society. That's why our society is losing out right now because the church has lost its strength. And we need to get back in there and be the salt, the preservative, the cleanser. And then we also need to be the people who are of the light. We expose things and we expose them to the gospel of Jesus and his righteousness. And then he says, for us as Christians, we need to have righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees who were very meticulous about following certain law, but not fully all of it. And Jesus made that very plain when he talked about murder and how he talked about adultery and how they were bigger in God's eyes than just the act. But they're with our mind. And Jesus talked about his glory and then how we to treat our finances and our things and their possessions, but they're possessed by God. And how we're not to be anxious about it. And then last week we talked about judgment. Not to be judgmental, but we need to be discerning. And yet to do that in a good way is to be able to have a spiritual heart of God. And that's where prayer comes in. That's why Jesus comes back. To prayer. There are two errors that we make sometimes in these passages. Number one, that we think that God has given us a blank check to do whatever we want, whatever we need, and God's just going to deliver for us, and that's not true. What he's talking about, that God's going to give us the strength that we need. We need to seek him. We need to ask him. We need to knock so that we can understand how to deal with each other and, and God in our lives. And secondly, that we don't strip these verses from the promises that God's given to us when we pray and how, aw how awesome it is and how much we need to pray. And how we need to not ask in doubt, but we ask rather in faith. And that God gives us the grace to be able to trust him no matter what he gives us. And God, through Jesus Christ now here, is framing prayer for us. And that we're to bring God everything of our lives before him in prayer. And this is where most Christians struggle in their Christian faith. Because we don't go to him in prayer. Oh, sometimes we try to settle things. The church does this. We need back to come back to God. And sometimes our prayers are blocked because certain things get in the way. Sometimes we struggle. One of the things most people say is time. I don't have enough time to pray. Today, I don't want to heap any, any, any guilt on anybody, but I want to encourage you. Your life breath as a Christian is prayer. And I know, thank God, we have Cedric County Park a half a mile from here. Because I go down there a lot. To get with God. And hear him speak. Things that I need to hear for myself. And things that I need to fix in me. 
And it's so easy to get distracted. And yet prayer is like breathing through your lungs into your body. We visit a little gal by the name of Lucille Townsley here. She's a member. She lost her husband several years ago, but Bob was also a believer. Came to know Christ late in life, but he was a painter for Eastern Airlines. And for so many years where he painted airplanes for Eastern Airlines and smoked up until he found out he had CPOD and emphysema. And how he sucked in all that stuff that clogged up his lungs. One day I was with him and I said, Bob, what is it like? Because he was always connected with oxygen. He said, Pastor Dave, he says, it's like having a coffee straw. And you try to breathe through that straw alone. That's what it's like. Sometimes I feel a heavy weight on my chest because I can't breathe. And without prayer, brothers and sisters, this is what it's like to try to live the Christian life without the oxygen that God supplied us with. And my prayer is today is that you get encouraged not only to take time for God, to get to know him alone, but as you walk every day through life that you're talking to him. You know, sometimes I'm talking to myself and people look. I'm not on my cell phone. I'm talking to the Lord. Because some of the crises that you look at and it's hard to figure out and God only knows what's going on. But we need especially the time for us, alone with God, to speak with him. And one of the things that we always hear, oh, I'm so busy. I don't have the time. I understand that. But guess what? You need to take the time. Because all that other stuff is not going to work out if you don't get in tune with God. I cracked up the other day when I was reading Martin Luther, who got up early on the morning at four o'clock and began to pray for four hours because he said, I have too much to do today, so I've got to pray for four hours. He understood what we need. And what we need is we need to wrestle with God. Can you imagine if you never brushed your teeth for a year? What would that be like? Well, just as we need to brush our teeth and keep them clean from rotten decay, so we need time with the Lord. And so Jesus begins with this promise that he gives. Look what he says to us. What's our attitude to it? Is he the genie? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open unto you. Now, Jesus knows that we have a sovereign God who infinitely knows much more than we will ever know. He knows you better than you know yourself. You think you know what you need, but God really of infinite wisdom knows exactly what you need. He knows the very hairs on your head. He knows the cells inside your body. Each one exactly. 
And he wants to lavish you with his presence and love. But he invites us. Invites us to have time with him. And without it, we shortchange ourselves in our lives. We wind up having tragedies in our life and difficulties in our life. And we don't have the ability to handle them because we spent not enough time in prayer. D. James Kennedy was a pastor in Florida. And he wrote Evangelism Explosion, which is a tremendous book about how to share your faith. And one of the things that he said he wished he would have done when he was younger is spent more time in prayer and less time trying to do things. Because the invitation by God is great. And we are more effective when we're in tune with Heavenly Father. And you see, Jesus gives us eight different promises here. He promises us. He invites us. He says, I really mean I want to get together with you and help you through this life. He makes these promises to us that he'll open doors for us and help us to see. He makes available to us on different levels what we need. He's like a father who really understands his children and loves them and wants them to get it right. I remember when I was a kid. I had a good dad. Too good. A lot of times he would say no to my foolishness. Oh, I'd get mad at him. Mm, 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 mm. But I knew. And I've learned that he protected me from some of the most foolish things I would have gotten myself into if I would not have listened to him. You see, that's our Heavenly Father. That's the one we bring our stuff to. And on coming to this Heavenly Father who really loves us and knows us and understands us, wants us to have the best of the best, and he's good to us. He gives us gifts every day that we don't even understand. We don't even think about. We don't even think about getting up in the morning and taking a breath that that's a gift from God. And the Bible says he promises to do it. And, and Augustine says it so well. He says, we have a God who is so willing to give us the best. He gave us his best with his son. To pay the price for us so that we don't have to go to hell. And that we have this son that he gave to us to wash us completely clean of our sin. And he wants the best for us. And he gave the best for us. You see, the foundation of prayer is the cross of Jesus Christ. That we can go to God as a father because we have a son that died for us and gave us the full access to the Holy Father. And speak to him. And that Jesus came to give himself as a ransom for us. And sometimes we have a problem with that, though. We have a problem when God says to us, no. I understand. There are times I get disappointed, too. We doubt him. We wonder if he knows really what we need. <laughs> Garth Brooks wrote a beautiful song about unanswered prayer. And I can tell you time and time again, the things that I went through 
that I didn't think God knew what he was doing. This land that we're sitting on right now here, my realtor looked at it and we could never buy this land. It was valued at the time when we started the church here about $250,000. But I had found a piece of land right by my house and I had visions of sugar plums dancing in my head about this land by my house. And at first I was offered by the contractor who owned the land or was holding the land 10 acres for $60,000. Little did I know the man was trying to be nice, but he also too was going bankrupt. And the bank took it back. And so they introduced me to a new realtor who was in control of it for the bank. And he said, well, I'll give you five acres for double the price, $140,000. And I was going to go up to Iowa and ask the people up in Iowa who were helping us out for that money. <laughs> and so I went up there and drove eight hours. God's got this. <laughs> I get up there and we have lunch at Pizza Hut in, in Orange City, Iowa. And they were very nice, good Christian people, but they said no. And then, about 12.30 while I'm in there, a blizzard hits Orange City in Northern Iowa. And I realized that it wasn't going to be good for me to travel in a blizzard. So I wound up renting a motel room and staying there overnight. And then the next morning early, I was going to get in my car and drove. And usually an eight-hour trip, it took me about 15 hours to get home or it took me about nine hours or 10 hours, whatever it was, to get to Kansas City. And all along the way, I was whining to God. You just don't understand. Why didn't you move to... And I get back here. And that day, that Sunday, when I got back, we were going to have a special guest. He was a mayor in town, and he was a Christian. He was going to speak. And I mentioned to the congregation what I had just been through. And this little, sweet little lady, never been to the church before, but because the mayor was there, she came. She said, I know how you can get that land up on 21st Street. I said, well, it's way out of our budget. She says, no, I know the church. They'll work with you. <laughs> well, we talked. We had a bidding war with our good friends next door, the Mennonites. I think they're stalking to me now, but anyway. And I, in the meantime, I'm thinking, how am I going to get the money to pay for this land? And two days later, I get a call from my uncle in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He said, Dave, I've got a thing that maybe you can help me with. I said, sure, Uncle Bob, what can I do? And he said, well, I made too much money for Intel this year, and I have to get rid of some stock options. And so I'm going to have to split it between your church and my church. I want you to have half of it. And he sent it to me, and it was $92,000. And here we are in this bidding war with the Mennonites. 
And so I'm thinking, Lord, you gave me this. I'm going to put it all down on the cow. Our good friends across the way here bidded 90000 and I gave them new 92000 and we wound up with the land. And here, I doubted God, his provision. And wouldn't you know it, he gave me better than what I ever could have imagined. And here, I didn't trust him. You know, sometimes we do that. And God wants to fulfill for us and give us the best. You know, sometimes he doesn't come through as quick as we want. Do you remember the Bible with Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, was dying. They sent word to Jesus and the disciples, hurry it up, he's, he's dying. And Jesus says, oh, we'll take our time. And they don't show up and Lazarus dies. He winds up in the tomb. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And Mary and Martha are, Jesus, if you would have been here, you wouldn't have died. Now he's dead and he's been in the tomb a couple of days. He stinketh, Lord. It says that in the Bible, he stinketh. And Jesus goes to the tomb, has them roll back the stone, and he calls Lazarus out. And they're all mocking him until this bandaged guy comes walking out of the tomb. Lazarus is alive. They experience the first resurrection by Jesus. Sometimes Jesus has to Make us go through things to really trust who he is. Sometimes there are things that block our prayers because we've been hiding sin. Sometimes we're not on the same page with Jesus and we cover up stuff. And he wants to give us what we need to glorify his name and help us. Sometimes, too, we wind up with a cynicism, don't we? A quiet cynicism. Oh, we may not say it, but we've had a hurt in our past, and we don't believe that he's going to do it. We can't believe he's going to do it. And instead, we bury our feelings and we hide. that We really pray, but we're not sure he's going to hear our prayer. I want to encourage you, if you struggle with that, keep track of your prayers. Write them down in a log and see how he answers your prayer. And it may not be your time or timing, but he answers them. And it may not be the answer you want. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says, wait. Well, that's a tough one. But Jesus wants us to persevere in prayer. Like the little woman Jesus was talking to. In the parable. And the judge, she continued to come to him, pleading her case. Jesus says, that's how we need to come before our Lord, persistently. And sometimes he says, James says, we don't ask we don't receive, but other times we ask wrongly. 
What's our desire? Is it for us to just get? Or is it to give glory to God? And what kind of things have I been praying about? Are they things that honor God? Yes, Jesus wants us to continually and consistently come to him. We need to persevere. We need to be persistent in our prayers. And Jesus wants to answer those prayers. And look at what Jesus does here. He tells us, if you ask anything in my name, why do we say it in his name? Because we know through his wisdom, we can accept what is right that he wants for us. That's why we ask it through his name. Because he knows what's best for us. You look at Jesus in his own ministry and look at what happened to him in Mark chapter 14. He prays in the garden and he says, take the cup from me. The cup of wrath that he was going to suffer on the cross for all of our sins. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus wants his father's will done. And you see, that's what he wants for us. That we're willing and able to accept whatever he has for us. And we're going to trust him no matter what. Because he know his is right. And his death on the cross was the right thing so that you and I could be free from our sin. And he also says that we don't ask. Sometimes we've got wrong motives. We need to clean those up. And that's why we ask in the name of Jesus. We look at the Lord's Prayer and how it's laid out. That's what he calls us to do and how our petitions are to lay out. And we need to ask ourselves when we pray. Does this request contradict the teaching of Scripture? Is this request self-centered and self-serving? Does my request promote God's glory? God's right? God's claims? Is God's timing slow or is it that I need to learn something? Look at Joseph in the Bible. Look at chapter 45 of Genesis to the end. Joseph was terribly treated, sold into slavery, did the right thing, was punished for it, spent much time in jail. But in the end, he saw the picture. He saw the bigger picture and he said, this is not about you, my brothers who sold me. I can forgive you because God had it in his plan that you guys sold me so that I could save our father and we could save you and we could save the Egyptians from starving to death because it was in God's plan. You see, because Joseph saw the bigger picture of how God works. And God knows his ways. Knows our ways. And that's what God does. And that our God, and this is all about really, and that's what happens next, what Jesus says. This is about how well do we know God? See, that's what prayer is really about. Prayer is about our relationship with God. And what he's about us. Because look what he says. What man of you among you who... When a son asks him for a loaf of bread, gives him a stone. Or he asks a fish, he gives him a snake. 
them being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our Father in heaven know how to give good gifts to us? See, prayer is really about improving our relationship with our Father. Not just receiving things. He knows what we need. And he wants us to see that he's a trusted father. And that he's a good father. And it's a personal relationship. And how we get to know him by trusting him with our needs and desires. And that no matter what he gives us, we know it's the best. Oswald Chambers wrote it this way. His prayer is not simply getting things from God. It is getting into perfect communion with God. We hear it said that a man will suffer in his life if he does not pray. I question that. But will suffer in the life of the Son of Man within him, which is nourished not by food but by prayer. See, prayer is, is, is the intimacy that we can get and that we can find fulfillment in this life no matter what happens to us. I remember I led a little woman. She was in her 70s at the time to Christ. And she came out of a very dysfunctional background. As she grew up, she was embarrassed by her family. Her father would dress up in women's clothing and walk through the neighborhood. Kids would make fun of her because she was kind of slow. When I met her, she had a job at Prentice Hall, and she worked a very minimal job. But first, I didn't know who she was. She'd call the church and hang up. I thought I was getting you know, hang-up calls, and I was. But it was her, because she was so poor in self-esteem, so inhibited, and one day, finally, I got her to talk. And she had gone to the church many years ago, but she was embarrassed by her family and stopped going, especially when her brother was a pilot in the Air Force, the Army Air Force, during World War II and was killed. And she stopped going to church. And when she came, finally, and was able to lead her to Christ, she was embarrassed by talking to God. She didn't know how to talk to God. And I'll never forget, we would get together and have a little Bible study before she went to work on Monday mornings. And then we would pray. I would pray and she would listen. And about 10 weeks into it, I remember the first prayer she uttered verbally in front of me. It knocked me almost to the floor because it was not that it was, Jesus, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to talk to you, but I want you to know I love you. I thank you for Pastor Dave. I need your help. And that's when it began. She became an ardent prayer warrior. She even worked for me for 10 years after she retired. And it came because of the intimacy she grew to know of her Lord. 
Austin Mill wrote the book In the Garden, and we see Mary seeing Jesus who's resurrected. And she, the writer of that hymn just beautifully says about prayer, about communion with Jesus of Mary. You see, and when we do that, you see, this is the beautiful thing about prayer, is that it's not really, prayer not always is there for just to change our experiences or our situations or circumstances. Prayer is an interaction with God that he changes us. That's why later on he puts in there the golden rule at the end of this, and people are saying he just threw that, that the writers must have just thrown it. No, he put that there. He spoke about it there because he knew how hard it is to deal with people and how to be proactive about it. And how do you do it? By the power of prayer. Of a life that's changed in Jesus Christ that has a heart for people. Because sometimes people can be cruel and they can be nasty. Unforgiving and, and not very gracious. And prayer is that time when we relate with our Father and speaks with us. And we learn about his generosity and the gifts that he does give. And that we trust him. And one of the big ways in which we learn about that, as we let go to him and give it and trust him that he knows what he's doing. As Jesus said earlier on, God knows what you need even before you put it in your mouth and verbalize it to him. But he wants us to verbalize it so we could come in contact with it and to see him work in our lives. And give us the yes or the no or the wait. Sometimes we have things that are blocking us that God is not going to allow us to receive until we get it cleared up. Until we get it fixed in our lives. Sometimes I leave here at 5 and 5.30 the other day, I caught myself. I was down by the theater, and I go, oh, why did I choose to go this way? It's because Mays Road is knocked down to two lanes from four. And I know that, and yet what do I do? I go down Mays Road. And sometimes there's an accident. Things get bottled up because we have a lot more cars going in only two lanes rather than four. And that's what happens in our lives. We've got stuff that shouldn't be there, that is there, that is bottling us and making smaller what God wants to give us because we're not ready for it. We have to have the road fixed in our hearts before he'll open up again the road and repave it for us. He wants us to have all the best, but he doesn't want us to be bogged down by the bad and the old and the ugly and the guilt. He wants to give us a straight path, the Bible says. He's not, monad he's not masochistic where he wants to make you pay. He wants to hurt you. No, he's a God who wants the best for you. He wants to give you the best. And sometimes we don't get the best because we haven't gone with him. 
We've gone all every different way, looking for a way, but yet we haven't gone with him. And that's what God wants for us. Sometimes he has to put us in the rock tumbler. Get all that stuff that we've grown and allowed to collect on side of our hearts that are keeping us from seeing the diamond that he has for us. We need to get rid of that grit that's covering it. Sometimes it's the craziness. Watching a band the other day on TV. You know, being in, on TV, we can watch it from the perspective of being above. It's the way God sees it. And the way the band started out, it was a total confusion. They were running all over the place. They were doing all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, the drum major gets on the stand, and they all just go to the spot they're supposed to be. And there they are, lined up. And you can see the pattern that it was designed for. And that's what God does for us. He knows what he's got designed. He knows all the dysfunction and the craziness that we follow. And he wants to bring the pattern of his purpose into our lives. Wants to heal it and make it right so that we can enjoy it. Sometimes that means that a brokenness sometimes has to happen. Sometimes we have to hear those words from the doctor, you've got cancer. It makes us sit up and listen. More attentive to our spiritual lives. Sometimes it's the spouse sometimes handing us divorce papers. Or sometimes it's with a failing grade. Or sometimes it makes us sit up. Like the other day I was on stopped at the corner and I was talking to a police officer as we're waiting for the light to change on his motorcycle. He had one of those. There was a young man who went 88 miles an hour down 21st Street right past Walmart. That he had to come to Jesus moment with the officer and had to take him to jail because he was so excessive in speed. Sometimes we need that. And God does that to wake us up. And God wants us to persist to go to him and bring it forth and hear what he has to say. Because at that point, the Gentiles want everything too. Sure they do, everybody does. But God wants to give us the best, which is him. And then he talks about this other thing, this golden rule thing. Because he knows that we need to have prayer-dipped lives in dealing with people and odd people. And everything, therefore, treat people the same way you would want them to treat you. For that's the law and the prophets. There's been many people who've had the silver rule and all that. But Jesus is speaking about the golden rule. About being proactive and being kind to people when, even when they may not be kind back. 
Do unto others as you would wish them do to you. Whether they do it or not, it's not to you. You have a strong interior heart for Jesus and you're strong because you've prayed and because you have the power and that you're Teflon to the hatred of that person or that world. And Jesus gives it simple. Pay it forward, he's saying. Be proactive and love them anyway. And not be afraid. Because you have a big God who loves you. No matter what people say or what they do to you, you know he is by your side. Because you have intimate communion with him. Little boy one time was with his dad. He says to his dad, Dad, they're in the car. Right by the airport. Dad, how big is God? The father's like, hmm. And he sees a plane way up in the sky. He said, God is like that. He's above everything. Yeah, but God is small, Dad, if that's small, that plane. Father said, no, he's not. And he decides to take a little jaunt down Ridge Road to Airport Road, down by the hangar. And he says, you see that plane that you saw up there? That's what that plane looks like. And the boy's eyes are like big as saucers. That's a big plane. He said, son, that's the way life is. The closer you get to God, the bigger he is. And you realize by faith that he can handle things that you thought you had to carry on your own. He takes care of it for you. He's bigger than any problem that you have. Any struggle that you go through. But you have to trust him. Gracia Burnham. You remember that name? She's the missionary and spouse of Martin Burnham, who was a missionary pilot for a new tribe's missions in the Philippines. And in the summer of 2001, Martin and Gracia were kidnapped and captured by an Islamic rebel group. 376 days they were captive. Wanting the captors wanted them to get money from the American government to release them. And all that time, Gracious said, I prayed, and I know people were praying throughout the United States and the world that we would come out safely. And when they finally were rescued on June 7th, 2002, Martin was killed in the crossfire. Grace said, at that point, my faith was rattled. And I was wondering, why did God allow Martin to die? With all those people praying for our safe release. 
People all over the world were praying for him. That God would deliver us. But that's not what was given to me. And she said, I questioned for a while. And it's not always easy to understand God. Why he answers some prayers one way and others the other way. But she wrote this. I used to have the concept that God was, is like and how life's supposed to be because of that. But I learned in the jungle about God that I thought I knew. I don't have him in a theological box anymore. What I do know is that God is God and I am not. The world's in a mess of sin. Not God. And some awful things can happen to me and us. But God does what's right. And he makes good out of bad situations. I trust him more. That's the prayer heart. When we come to the realization of what God has for us. That we can trust him no matter what happens to us. That he's there for us. Last week after the service, a lady came up to me. And we sang a song, Love Lifted Me. She had had a terrible tragedy happen in her life. And she said that she knew what she had to do, but she didn't want to do it. She knew she needed to continue to commune with God and come to church. And she said, I was forced really to come for someone else and I continued to come. But she said it was so hard. Sometimes I didn't even know how to pray because my heart was so broken. But then one day she said, she was in church and we sang the very song that we sung last Sunday. Love lifted me. She said at that point I felt the break. That he loved me. Through all this. And he was going to love me through to the end. And that his will is the best. And I trust that. Because he's God. In Psalm 115.3 it says, But our God is in the heavens. And he does whatever he pleases. And we know that's perfect and pure and right. Let's pray together. Lord God, I pray for these folks today. As we hear these words that you have for us, sometimes they're hard to swallow. Because we want to believe that you're going to give us anything. 
Help us, Lord, in our relationship with you to be so intense and so much in love that we trust you no matter what comes our way. And that we can trust you through the good and the bad. That we have nothing to fear because you are with us. You're our constant friend. You're our Savior. You're our Lord. And I pray, Jesus, as we walk through this life, that our prayer life will continue to grow in intimacy with you so that we have such strength, such power and faith to overcome all the bad because of your glory and your grace. And it's through Jesus we pray this. Amen. Let's stand and close with our benediction and singing our closing song. Now God who commanded the light to shine in the darkness shine in your hearts to give you the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus Going on before Christ the royal master Leads against the foe Forward into battle See his banner go Onward Christian soldiers Marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before.